Welcome to the STEM in the Garbles podcast. I'm Maggie. Today we're at the Royal Observatory in Edinburgh to interview Angus Gailey, an engineer. Hi Angus, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and your role here at the Royal Observatory? Well, my name's Angus Galley. I'm a mechanical engineer and I actually work for an organisation called the UK Astronomy Technology Centre, which is based here at the Royal Observatory. Uh, I work with other engineers and we design and build instruments for the large astronomy telescopes. So how does the work of an engineer tie in with that of an astronomer? Well, um, I actually get to work directly with astronomers, which is great. So basically they decide what they'd like to study in the universe and then they do a lot of work to get support and money to build an instrument which could help them. The engineers, like myself, get involved right at the start to see if they can design the instrument. And they also estimate how long it might take and how long it might cost. The astronomer stays involved with engineers uh, as they work on the design and the making of the instrument, and this can take a while. Right at the end, when the astronomer is testing the instrument on the telescope, the engineers are involved to set it up and check that everything is working okay. So, as I've heard, one of the things you do is design telescopes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, actually, it's a really good question, but actually most of the work we do is in designing instruments. So if you imagine you have a telescope and you wanted to closely study something in the sky, you might want to attach a camera uh, to your telescope and look at those images later. Or you might even have a setup where using Wi-Fi or something, you could sit in the house on your iPad instead of standing outside in the cold for ages. So a camera is a type of instrument. And we design instruments that go into the telescope or go onto the telescope so that astronomers can view the images on a screen. They can do that either live or later on if they want to study things a bit closer. And since a lot of the telescopes are really big now, the instruments are also big. The one that I am working on right now is the size of my house. And that's the instrument, not the telescope. Wow, that seems really big. So what kind of images do you get from these different types of telescopes and what do you use them for? Well, you can another really good question actually. Uh, you can get images of anything in the universe with the right telescope and the right instrument. So this could be planets in our solar system. It could be faraway galaxies. Maybe even planets like our Earth going around other stars very, very far away. Scientists can either just look at these images for information or with a special type of instrument on the telescope they can find out what things are made of. So instruments are really important when you combine them with the right telescope. Mm-hmm. So was the European Extremely Large Telescope and why did you decide to place it in Chile and not in Scotland? Well, another good question. So the European Extremely Large Telescope, just like it says will actually be the largest ground-based instrument in the world when it's completed. So being so big, its primary mirror dish, the big dish, which is the primary mirror, it's 40 metres diameter, and that would just fit in a football pitch across the way. It will be able to see further and see more detail than any other telescope in the world. The mountain in Chile, where it will go, is in the Atacama Desert, which is one of the driest places on Earth. So at the top of a high mountain, miles from any streetlights, no rain clouds for years and years, that's definitely the best place to put an expensive telescope that you can use almost every night of the year. I really agree with that because, as I've read, um, Chile's extremely dry yep. and that's 
exactly where you would put a giant telescope. You're absolutely right. And there actually are quite a lot of telescopes already out there, but they're getting bigger and bigger and doing more and more science, and this will be the biggest one. And it's actually got its own dedicated mountain. So they've actually gone to the top of a mountain, taken the top off the mountain, and they've already started to do all the foundations for this telescope. That's so really it's a good. really big special telescope. You, you will you you'll get to hear a lot about it yeah. <laughs> in the next little while. I've also read that you have large telescopes in space. Why do you need to put them into space? Right. Again, I keep saying this, but great <laughs> question. So what's even better than being in a very dry desert on the top of a mountain? Well, it's got to be, of course, space. Right. Because even on the top of a mountain, with no clouds, you have to look through the atmosphere. Even mm-hmm. although you're quite high up on that mountain, you've still got to look through the atmosphere. So you know the song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Yes. Well... Twinkling stars are not very good for astronomers. The twinkling is actually the star's light being distorted through the movements of the atmosphere. Just like when you try to see a coin or something in the bottom of a swimming pool, and unless the water's very, very still, you can't get a clear view of the coin. So in space, we don't have to look through the Earth's atmosphere, so it's definitely the absolutely best place to have a telescope. However, it's difficult and very expensive to get a telescope into space, but the plans are, as you probably know, to send a big telescope out there in 2021, and that's the James Webb Space Telescope. Hmm. Um, you plan to launch the James Webb Telescope in space in 2021. I'm interested to know how this is done and how long it takes. Well, the telescope will be put onto a special capsule on the top of a space rocket and launched from South America. Now, there's not much space, as you can imagine, in this capsule at the top hmm. of the launch rocket. So the telescope mirror which is a pretty big one, it's six metres in diameter. It's made of segments like a flower's petal and it'll be folded up to fit in this capsule. The rocket will then leave the Earth's atmosphere on launch and travel into space and it'll go four times the distance of the moon out into space. So that's one million and a half kilometres. And that will take about 30 days. When it gets to that special position in space, hundreds of scientists and engineers, myself included because I did work on the project, We'll all have our fingers crossed at the mirror, and then it's also got this huge sun shield, which is the size of a tennis court. We hope that all those will unfold, everything will work, and the telescope will be ready to send back fantastic images. That is amazing. So if the James Webb Telescope is the successor to Hubble, what was Hubble, and what new discoveries do you hope to make the new James Webb Telescope? Well, that's, that's a good one, that, because why would we design and build and launch another telescope. Well, bigger and better, really. The Hubble is a well-known space telescope which orbits the Earth, and it's been providing fantastic images and collecting data since about 1990. Now, the Webb telescope will be capable of adding much more to all the fantastic discoveries of the Hubble. Firstly, it's a much bigger, so the mirror is about six times in, in terms of its area, six times the size of Hubble. So it's a more powerful telescope. So it'll see much more Also, it'll actually see much more in terms of the light wavelength. So it can see much more in infrared light. And that's the sort of light which you're probably familiar with soldiers use to to see in the dark with special cameras and firemen can use those special cameras to see through smoke and inside buildings. So that's infrared light. That allows the telescope out in space, uh, the James Webb, to look much further into the universe through dust clouds and basically... You're basically going back in time to when the universe was formed. You're looking so deep into the, into the universe. So also, 
being so far away from the Earth, it's much less affected by the Earth's gravity. In fact, it's practically not affected by the Earth or Sun's gravity because it's in this special place. And so it can point to objects with a really high stability. It's not getting you know, disturbed by the gravitational effect of Earth. And being so far away, it can also, it's, it's much easier to keep it very, very cold. And that actually helps the instruments that are looking at objects using infrared light. That's really interesting. So what's the most important thing you want everyone to know about your work and why? Well, I like people to know that I'm working on really big, what I would call news headline projects like the world's largest telescope, the next really big space telescope. So that's fantastic to be associated with both of those projects. And I think being able to work on these type of projects means that when I talk to people in the public or pupils in schools like yourself, I can say, look how important it is to have engineers for helping uh, science discoveries. And this, this can get people's attention because they know mm. a lot about the science. So they know some stuff about the science, but they maybe don't know that you need engineers to make, make this happen, to design the telescopes and the instruments. So I then like to tell them well, how important it is to have engineers to invent and design everything that we, we need in our daily lives. And, and you do need engineers yeah. to design everything mm. that's around you. So it's very important. So it's really great having these cool projects to mention because it gets people's attention. You'll be happy to know this is my last question. <laughs> I watched a BBC Sky at Night episode that regular people like myself can collect data. So how can I take part in that? Well, uh, Maggie, you've been asking some fantastic questions and it's, I'm not glad to hear it's the last one because uh, mm. I could sit here all, <laughs> all day and talk about these things. Uh, yeah, yeah, there are opportunities where anybody can take part. I think the reference was to something called planethunters.org and there's another link, uh, zooniverse.org. Yeah. Now, if you if you want to find those links and um, you, you can't find them, then get in touch with us. We can connect you to those. But mm-hmm. what I understand about um, those uh, setups is that the, or one of the projects is using humans instead of computers to go through lots and lots of data uh, and patterns in that data and sometimes humans are better than that than even the most powerful computers so the more people that get involved to look at these patterns and look for certain things in those patterns and one of the things that that's associated with is looking for these planets in faraway stars that might be like earth and i think we hear a lot about that in the news that those Mm. those kind of discoveries so there's lots and lots of telescopes and instruments being used to collect this data and it's just so much to get through. And you think, well, why not use all the thousands of people out there that, you know, kind of switched on by astronomy to, to help yeah. us do that? So right. thank you for answering all my questions. It was a pleasure to meet you. It was great to answer the questions. Thank you. Thanks very much. So here we are at the Royal Observatory. We've learned that there are many roles that people can have. We've met engineers and astronomers and, of course, our host Fiona, who does outreach work. Thank you all for taking the time to speak to us today. I'm Adam. I'm Maggie. And I'm Erin. Thank you for listening to STEM in the Gorbals podcast.